Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. The book of Daniel in the Old Testament opens with the account of the Lord giving the children of Israel into captivity. Verse 1 and 2. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. This account of the captivity of the children of Israel in Babylon is really the focus and topic, seemingly, of the book of Daniel. We'll explore it in much more detail and see some very meaningful insights as we explore it in this life study. Joining us today for our second program in the book of Daniel, Francis Ball. Francis, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you very much. We're in for a real treat, I think, getting into this book of prophecy. Well, we touched many of the items in the book of Daniel during our life study of Revelation, Francis, so it will be interesting now to come back and look at these again in their context, standing alone as uh, Witness Lee opened up this life study 14 years after he gave us the life study of Revelation. Francis, the phrase that we talked about here in the opening, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand, that's very interesting, isn't it? It certainly is. This word gave really indicates that Jehovah was in control. It doesn't mean that Nebuchadnezzar had come in and taken over to defeat God, but God was going to use Nebuchadnezzar and his besieging of Jerusalem to deal with Israel. And this is quite important that God does these kind of things to gain some out of his people who will stand for him in the midst of degradation. And Israel had certainly degraded by the time Jehoiakim was a king in Israel. If we could go back to First and Second Kings, you see that the degradation came to a point here where God must have some out of Israel that would stand for him. In order to gain those, he gave Nebuchadnezzar, the people of Israel, he could besiege the city of Jerusalem and take them all captive. Yeah, it's interesting. It looks on the surface as if Satan has gained a major victory here, carrying God's people away from their appointed place in Jerusalem and even carrying some of these vessels, utensils that were used in the temple into Babylon. And there they were certainly defiled and degraded. It looks altogether like a kind of a defeat for God. But actually, we're going to see, particularly in today's program, quite the opposite is the case. Yes, and that gives real meaning to the word gave. That means Jehovah was in control, but he is dealing with his people with a definite purpose. Our first section today, we're going to hear 
Witness Lee, give us some history, some background of what had transpired for the nation of Israel prior to the events in the book of Daniel. This will be a very interesting section for you. Let's join him now, and then you and I will return for some more fellowship, Francis. Good. Now, this is the first section of the book covering the first six chapters, the victory of the young descendants of God, degraded elect, over Satan's further devices. I like this title. Uh, seemingly, the vast defeat. Let me say this. Again, we go back to history. From Genesis 1 to Genesis 11, those 11 chapters cover the 2,000 years of human history. And the human government was formed, it was Babel. And Babel was a city full of idols. Then out of that came people. God called one by the name of Abraham. And God brought him out of Babel that is Satan. And the country was called Chaldee. Out of Chaldee to Canaan. Then Abraham was the first Hebrew. The father of Israel. And the history of Israel should be counted from Abraham. Then after about 400 years, Moses was born. By that time, Abraham had a descendant of at least two millions. The people who came out of Egypt as a kind of exodus was about two millions. Then after 40 years, they entered into Canaan. Then, you know, gradually Samuel and so forth brought in David to defeat that many nations. Then his son Solomon built up the temple. Then was after about 400 years, then Babylonian army came under Nebuchadnezzar. Dog that captured Babylon. Captured back to the place of the worship of idols, Chaldee, where Abraham was called out by God. But listen, though entire elect of God was defeated. They became a thorough, ultimate, consummated defeat to God's interest on this earth. To us, we will be disappointed, but God was not. You see, <laughs> among the captured, degraded elect, there were a group of young people. And God kept them as overcomers to overcome Satan's devices. Satan thought, that's it. He got it. He defeated God. God sits away from this earth. There's no worship of God at all. But God says, little Satan, don't be so happy. You should wait a few days. You'll see. You'll be defeated. I have some overcomers. And the overcomers are among the young people. This is why I love you young people. But this doesn't mean I don't love the old ones. <laughs> I love the old ones, but I know the future is with you 
young ones. I don't mean every young one among you will be an overcomer. I don't believe that that's too much. Among those many young ones of the captives, there were just a few. At least in chapter one, we could see four. Daniel took the lead. Another three becoming his companions. Well, Francis, he brought us up to the point where I think most people are familiar with the story. Of course, these four gallant young ones standing against the king and his temptations. That has become the substance of most of the Bible stories or Sunday school stories that come from the book of Daniel. But we're getting a different view, aren't we? Something behind the scenes that is far more significant in terms of God's purpose and what God is trying to accomplish in this book. Abraham begins the story of Israel. He is living in this idolatrous land of Chaldee really the site of ancient Babylon. And as God begins his work with Abraham and his called out race, he brings Abraham out of that situation and into a whole new environment. Then after all these hundreds of years, the children of Israel come full circle and now are brought under God's sovereign arrangement, as you pointed out a moment ago, back into the place of this idolatrous captivity, back into Babylon. Why does Witness Lee say in such an instance, God was not disappointed? Well, God can never be defeated, but in this case, it looks as though there's nobody left to be God's people on the earth. They have degraded to such an extent that it looks like Satan has gained the victory with Nebuchadnezzar coming in and besieging the city of Jerusalem and taking the people captive. But God knows he's got some choice ones that will stand with him. He has a way to bring forth a circumstance, and a situation which will defeat the enemy. These ones that will stand with God and defeat all the temptations that Satan puts against them are the ones that are called the overcomers. And in this case, he made reference to four young ones, and his hope was in the young ones. I'm not a young one anymore, but I still have hope in God gaining for himself a people that will be his overcomers that will stand against all of Satan's temptations to try to drag us down. Satan always longed for worship. Right. So his goal was to get these people not to worship God, but to worship him. So when he sent Nebuchadnezzar's servants to Israel to bring out some of the young ones, his intention was to use them for his kingdom and for his glory. This is a very significant point. Of course, the young ones can't make it without some of the older ones to help point the way, but certainly those of us who are a bit more advanced, at least in years, certainly cannot make it without these young ones. There's a particular delight that we feel, but no doubt that the Lord feels when young ones are captured for him and for his purpose, willing to stand with him against all of the temptations of this age, isn't there? That certainly is true, and it's so encouraging to see some young ones in this day and age still will stand with God and for God, and God will have his people in the midst of any kind of degradation that might come even on the church. There is a way God has to gain some people that will be the ones that will stand against these temptations as we see Daniel and his friends doing. Let's go and look at that right now. Witness League is going to touch specifically how the enemy tried to tempt these young ones. Do you know the first temptation came to mankind was about eating. (laughs) After God created man, 
God put man into a kind of temptation. Why? Well, this is God's economy. <laughs> Could you believe this? God's economy. God's sovereign arrangement. Don't you believe? If God didn't run this way, Daniel would not be there. God arranged this way. His sovereignty arranged a situation that Daniel was captured. And his three companions too. Otherwise, they could never be there. If God didn't have them there, God was a defeat. Total defeat. But since these four were there, God was not defeated. And the temptation to us always comes in the matter related to eating. You believe me. You have to realize what Nebuchadnezzar provided Daniel, the three companions, to eat. Here it says, that is choice food. That choice food is just the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to Daniel. All those food were defiling, not clean. Those food were firstly offered to Nebuchadnezzar's gods. So whatever they would eat, they would eat. They would take in the defilement. They would take in the idols. They would have become a defeat to God already. So God would say, I have nothing on this earth. Satan would say, Amen. God, you got a full defeat. A complete defeat. You have nothing on this earth to represent you. To be one with you. But what Daniel and three companions did was something vice versa. We are here. We are here for God. We are here attached to God. We cleave to God. And we are one with God. Why? Because we took God in. We took God in. We now are what we eat. We eat the godly food. We eat God food. So we are one with God. Francis, I'd like to spend a few moments talking about the parallel here between the first temptation that man experienced in the garden and this temptation that Daniel and his companions faced when they were taken by the king in Babylon. What does it mean that Satan always comes to tempt us in the matter of eating? Chris, I believe this is very basic and quite often missed because so much is involved in eating from God's creation of man. He put him in a garden and told him to be careful what he would eat. And they told him not to eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But he said, all the trees in the garden you may freely eat, but that one. But that's the one that uh, man took. So his eating that tree wasn't just an act of disobedience, but he took in another kind of life, another kind of source. What we eat, we become. And so uh, Satan wants to take away any worship that goes to God. Man was there to take in the tree of life by God's design, 
but instead he took in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That shows us there's only two sources in the universe, God or Satan. So they took in the nature of Satan by eating of a forbidden fruit, eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now this is repeated here at this time, and Satan again comes to these four young men to get them to eat the dainties of the Babylonish food supply, which is really a delicacy to the natural man, but a poison to God's children. Francis, it's interesting. He pointed out here, of course, that these items of the Babylonian diet, all of these things had been offered to idols, to the gods of Nebuchadnezzar. So there was something behind what these young ones were being asked or offered to eat. Of course, on the surface, it appeared to be something quite tasty, quite good, as you pointed out, a delicacy to the natural appetite. But something about these ones, particularly, they realized, again, behind what was on the surface was something to be avoided, even that could contaminate and poison them. Yes, they refused to eat the food that the king of Babylon offered them to make them constituted with a Babylonian nature. You know what we eat, we become. This is a very good illustration of how we believers in the Lord Jesus Christ today need to be those who eat the Lord himself. John's gospel is very clear. He said, he who eats me, even he shall live because of me. So what we eat really makes a difference. And we're not just talking about physical food, but whatever we take into us is what we're eating. And if we take in the things for our worldly enjoyment, we will become that kind of person. But if we take in the divine food, the Lord Jesus as the living, edible Word of God, we'll become that kind of person. We will take in a divine nature. Even Peter mentions this in his second epistle. He said, we are partakers of the divine nature. The way we partake is by eating. So we eat the Lord Jesus as our food, by his word, by our praying, by our calling on his name, and we become the very same in life and nature as he is. Hmm. Francis, he pointed out in that first section dealing with the history that by now maybe two million children of Israel living in the land, and they're taken captive, the bulk of which were taken captive into Babylon. But yet this book, so critical in the Old Testament record, focuses primarily, almost exclusively, on these four young people. This really shows us something of the principle of overcomers in God's economy. We touched it when we were in the life study of Matthew. We certainly touched it in Revelation. And here it is again, a very, very key component in this book of Daniel. Let's join Witness Lee. Daniel and his companions became the overcomers of the remnant of God defeated elect. The elect was a defeat, but these young overcomers were a victory for God. Now eventually, who can boast to whom? Satan to God, God to Satan. Satan may boast to God. God, look at the elect. All got defeated. Then God said, okay, little Satan, look at this world. How about this world? Here, in your territory, Babylon, I still have four. Young ones, victorious, overcoming. Overcoming your device. Eventually, the both went to God. Today, might be the same. I hope among you there would be a group 
another for a group. Groves of overcomers. Who would be God's boast to Satan? Apparently, God was defeated in his interest on the earth, but actually, he preserved his worship and testimony through the young overcomers among the defeated elect. Well, this is the story of God's victory still continuing on the earth through the young overcomers. Francis, this is an excellent picture of why the principle of overcomers is so important to God in his economy. As I mentioned before, uh, we saw it again and again in Matthew and a real focus in the book of Revelation. And now here it is in the Old Testament book of Daniel. When God has overcomers willing to stand for his interests, things are not as they outwardly appear, are they? That is right. And thank the Lord for this, because when the elect are defeated by being brought into a situation which is under satanic temptation and control. Yet, there are those young overcomers who will be victorious. This overcoming is very crucial to God's purpose being accomplished because it looks like outwardly that God is defeated and there are not those who bear his testimony and who are actually living for him. But here are a few that are really overcoming all the temptations. God has preserved his worship and testimony through these young overcomers among his defeated elect. So we see that even though there is a defeat or there is a degradation in Christianity, there still are those overcomers who will be God's testimony and stand for him against all the temptations that Satan can bring and the environment they are in. So this is God's principle, to gain overcomers that will stand for him, and God could never be defeated as long as he has even a few overcomers that will stand one with him. Francis, we have to be faithful to this ministry. This is uh, an integral part of this ministry. It was uh, there in Watchman Nee's writings and his speaking, and it was a characteristic of uh, Brother Witness Lee through his entire life, and it remains with us today. There's a call in this age to God's people to come out and stand for his interests against the tide and the current of the age and the world, even in the religious world, as you pointed out. Yes, there is certainly a need for overcomers even in this age. And I was just reminded, too, of another thing that Nebuchadnezzar did with these four young men was to change their names and to give them a name that would identify them with his gods, not Jehovah. These four men had names given to them that included God in their name. Even if you look carefully at those names, you could see each one of these names that they had. Daniel, Hananiah, uh, Mishael, and Azariah. All those names have God in them. That means they belong to God. But when Nebuchadnezzar took them as captives into his realm, he changed their names and call them by something that they were not. And those names included the uh, idol gods that Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon was worshiping. So these overcomers, they would not stand with that, and they would not eat that kind of food. The Lord needs such overcomers even in this day. Well, and that would be how we would conclude this program, with uh, our prayer joining God's interest that he would find those that would be willing to stand 
against all of the temptations that face God's people today. Um, We would like to invite you to contact us about these printed messages. The Life Study of Daniel is just one volume, 17 messages in total, and we have that available for all of our radio listeners, many other resources as we point out from time to time. And we'd love to get your comments as we begin this new book, the book of Daniel. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or you can send email to us, radio at lsm.org. For Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online free of charge. Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70-plus years of ministry and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry or the program you heard today, email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.